Welcome to TV Times 3, episode 300. On this episode, we've got some news items, and then we'll be discussing recent episodes of Quantico, Blind Spot, Heroes Reborn, and The Blacklist. Plus, we've got some TV recommendations at the end. You can find the full show notes with start times for each segment at tvtimes3.com slash 300. I'm Jason the TVaholic from tvaholic.com, and this week I have joining me... Ivy West from the Blockbluster podcast. And Troy Heinrichs from the Blacklist Exposed podcast. All right, thank you both for joining me this week on episode 300. The big 300? Yes. Nice, congratulations, sir. You didn't get us any cake with this? Yeah. I'm, I'm disappointed. Yeah, yeah no, yeah. no virtual cake, unfortunately. I was led to believe there would be punch and pie. Yeah, it is a nice, you know, the nice round number there, the nice 300. But I don't know, we tend to do more special things around the actual anniversary date of the podcast as opposed to hitting specific numbers. So this will just be another excellent regular episode of the, of the podcast. It's clearly well, you are you not know. the master of uh, time and space that so you could make this the anniversary at the same <laughs> yeah, time. Yes, that's right. First up, some news. ABC has ordered a couple more episodes each of the Blacklist. Of, of the Blacklish. That's nice. The Blacklish. You've heard, you've heard of the Blacklish, right? Of Blackish, Fresh Off the Boat, The Goldbergs, and The Middle, which will bring them up to 24 episodes for this season for each of those shows, as opposed to the 22 that they were going to be at. See, I already have the Blacklist on my mind, since that's one of the shows we're <laughs> going to be talking about. I thought that was a new Upfront show where uh, Dembe actually is the character of Red. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. I would support Dembe getting his own TV show. I concur. <laughs> it's the spinoff. Uh, and speaking of episode orders, CBS has ordered five more episodes of Code Black, which will bring that up to 18 episodes for its first season. I'm glad I'm not the only one watching Code Black. Are either of you watching Code Black? You were the only one on the podcast watching Code Black. Because there's a special Easter egg on the last three or four episodes of Code Black for those big TV fans. Oh, now I got to watch like eight episodes to find this Easter egg. (laughs) You could really just check out the IMDb page and see that Gabrielle Cartieris has been showing up on the last couple of episodes as just one of the background nurses. Mm. So for you 90210 fans which we all were at one point, even if we don't want to admit it. Uh, she's out there for you. I watched the the reboot, so I can't really say anything there. Jason admitted it, not me. I Thanks watched, for the shield, I watched Jason. The first season. I watched the first season. Just, you know, I had to. You couldn't just had to see, right? Yeah. Right? Yeah. Which is funny, because that's a great tie-in then for Ryan Eggold, because he was on the first season, and now he's on the blacklist. Everything goes back to the Blacklist. Okay, that's the episode we're doing today. <laughs> blacklist all the time. Yeah. I don't know. I I thought Code Black was fine. I thought it was well done and stuff, but it just, I don't know. I wasn't in for presently for a medical drama, I guess. Especially one that was mostly medical drama. And since they can't seem for would... any reason to kill Grey's Anatomy, I'm still stuck on the 12th <laughs> season over there. So I can't fit two medical shows into my schedule. <laughs> But just another show on the weird episode order list. Things are either getting cut back or they're getting 
not quite normal full seasons or there's so many different things that are in these weird episode orders for the first season. But I suppose yeah. that they ordered anything is a good sign that I, I guess it's doing pretty well. Yeah, I mean the numbers the numbers are what they are, but I like the question I have when you get a weird number like this is what does CBS's bench look like with their mid-season shows? And I I, I frankly I, I would have to admit I don't remember what they have sitting, you know, sitting on the shelf. Yeah, well, I, I'm not I can't I'm blanking on any new things, but I know they have person of interest still to come that may or may not be the final season and uh, I'm sure they have a couple of other things. To, to put on there too, but yeah, if you think of person of interest, that's thirteen. So another nine would actually flush out that winter spring pretty cleanly. So maybe that's what they're doing. They're going to bunch it up with uh, person of interest. Sweet. Yeah, because who knows what the there's so there's stuff starting all the time. It's just <laughs> it's just kind of ridiculous. Speaking of ridiculous, FX and Kurt Sutter or Kurt Sutter or I don't know. But they canceled the black the, the 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 bastard executioner after one season, which is not a surprise because it didn't start out that great numbers wise, or as a show, it wasn't that great either. That it started out uh, and only dropped off from there uh, to where you know the season finale wasn't uh, much of anything. I guess Sutter was had gotten to the point where he was behind on stuff and he was delivering scripts like the day of the shoot and things like that. So I'm sure that didn't help with the quality of things mm-hmm. uh, necessarily, but I guess he took out a, an ad in one of the trades to say it's canceled and, and thank everybody or what have you. So, but that, I think that's almost one of those that uh, you can't, you can't cancel me. I, <laughs> I'm not doing it I anymore. I can't for me. <laughs> you, know, you, can't. Yeah. you can't fire me. Yeah, I, I quit. I don't even think I made it through the first episode. I don't remember. So obviously I must not have made it through the first episode. <laughs> well, they played like the first two or something, or it was super extended episode or everything was a super extended episode. That's the thing is they did 10 episodes, but they did probably 15 episodes worth of of content if you had actually played them out at like 42 minute episodes or something. So I guess it continued to drag or whatever, but probably, I don't know, probably one of those things that maybe Sutter should have taken a little time after seven seasons of, of doing Sons of Anarchy before just, before jumping back in on a huge project like this. I don't know. But on the other side of things, FX has ordered a third season of Fargo. So if you're a Fargo fan, you're going to get another installment of that. I'm okay with that. Yay! I mean, I don't, I don't watch the show, but I'm excited for people who do. And you know, we just talked about a cancellation, so I wanted to be <laughs> wanted to cheer something. Yeah, I keep wanting to watch because everybody, or at least most people, seem to talk about it as being, you know, a great show, and and that the second season is is good, you know, it's really good too. And, and I just never could get excited to watch it because I was never a fan of the movie. And since it's trying to be the movie in series form, it's trying to come across the same way. It just never interested me. (laughs) And, 
And even though I usually watch at least the first episode to two or three, four episodes of stuff, I don't know. I just never watched this one. I don't know if it came along at the wrong time where there was just too much other stuff. And I just never got around to it because mainly because I was always the, you know, sort of the outsider on everybody seems to think that Fargo, the movie is so great. And I was just like, I don't get it. <laughs> well, I know a lot of people talk about Fargo at work, but I'm, I, I was trying to figure out if it's because it's actually good or if it's just because they'll get in trouble if they say bastard executioner in the office. <laughs> <laughs> well, I believe it's good. I just don't think it's for me. Like I can only handle so much quirk in my life. Yeah, it's it's one of those maybe sometime it's sort of on the it's on that list of things but it's like way down as the <laughs> there's so many things above it <laughs> on that list to catch up with. But I feel like I should have at least watched some like an episode to see if it really was that had that same thing that I didn't really care for uh, with the movie, but, but never did. And now we'll be going into a third season and it'll be, since they're all different, you can always just jump in and watch one. And uh, they all have just like a slight hook to something else. Like, I guess this season is, a case that was referred to in the first season and it has some characters that were in the first season, but they're the younger versions of them. And so it, it's still all sort of in the same universe type of thing, even though each season is a different story, but I don't know. That's, I've talked more about Fargo than I've <laughs> right now <laughs> than I've ever wa watched it. Uh, that's enough. I wanted to ask you, Jason, before we jumped into okay. prime time, because it wasn't on the on the dock that we talked about ahead of time. But I saw an interesting article this week that Fox is going to get rid of daily ratings and are only going to give out live plus three and live plus same seven day ratings now. And I thought that was kind of an interesting article. I just didn't know what your take was on that. Do you think it's finally the tide has shifted and people realize that DVR actually happens has more viewers than live does? Yeah, well, I think that in the world that we live in now, TV wise, that if you're trying to continue to be a broadcast network and that you're actually relying on only the overnight ratings as whether something is a success or not is probably pretty stupid. I mean, it still gives you a snapshot of what, you know, what things are like, but there are so many shows that have gotten, you know, they get like a big premiere or something like that, and then it drops off. But it's not that people stopped watching, it's that they stopped watching live. And if you add in the three days or the seven days, and then all the other places, you know, whether people are watching it online or on Hulu or, you know, all these different things to get an actual representation of how many people are watching your show. But realistically, does any of that matter to the people that are ultimately paying for these TV shows, the advertisers? I mean, That's, I, that, that, that I'm was a DVR exactly guy. Question. I don't watch any commercials ever unless I'm watching it live. And there are there are two or three shows that I'll watch live a week, but yeah. it's just those two or three, and it's only because I'm impatient. <laughs> <laughs> what, you can't wait the 15 minutes to to buffer it enough so that you can fast forward to the commercial. Sometimes I want to watch. And sometimes it's like, well, what am I going to do for 15 minutes? You know? <laughs> and I'm like, Ooh, I can play 15 minutes of call of duty. Okay. So yeah, mostly 
But there are there are two or three shows that I make an effort to watch live. But at the end of the day, you know, the 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 payment, the revenue model for television has to change because you know advertisers pay for it, and if advertisers stop paying for it, then there stops being television to watch. Yeah, well, that's that's true. But there, I guess there was also some study done that you still retain some of the commercial as you fast forward through it. So for those people that are actually fast forwarding through the commercials, you're still seeing the commercial and you might not be getting the full message, but you're, you're taking in some of it. So they are still paid for that. But then online views, I think they need to start taking, who cares whether somebody watches it, you know, live or watches it on Hulu the next day or on their website the next day, it's to me, it's the same. Yeah. And who, who came up with the arbitrary uh, 2 a.m. cutoff as being the next day? Yeah. I get up at you know 530 in the morning and I grab my phone, pop up Hulu to find the show from nine o'clock or 10 o'clock last night that I fell asleep watching and finish it on Hulu. Shouldn't that count? It's still within the same 24 hour period as the next as the same day. Right. Yeah, I think it's I think some of it also depends on. Uh, the type of show it is, of whether it's produced by you or produced by somebody else that you're airing the show, because if your if your production company is making the show, then potential future revenue on the show uh, for selling it into other things or having it available on streaming services and DVD sales or Blu-ray sales or these types of things, even though that's starting to be uh, less you want to take into account how many people are actually watching it and whether the show is actually popular as to whether you can make revenue down the line with it as opposed to just the the revenue that you can take in uh, commercial-wise. Yeah, I mean, you sure, look but- at the Blacklist, for example, right? Six million people watch it live, quote-unquote, whatever you determine live is, right? 2 a.m. the next morning. <laughs> and then half of the audience watches it uh, plus seven on their DVRs. So you're talking right there. That's 12 million people. Is that a crappy show? Because it only gets a 1.5 and 6 million on Thursday night. Yeah, I know that's, that's the thing. That's what I'm talking about is that's you, you look at that and it's not that the, the overall audience has dropped. It's dropped as to when they actually watch the show. More of them used to watch it live after the voice on Monday night. <laughs> As opposed to nine o'clock on Thursday, and they're they're watching it at at other times because they still want to watch the show, but you know, in a crowded thing on like Thursday night, or you know, maybe you're watching football or right now, or you know, one of the other many shows that are on Thursday nights, and you still want to get to it, but you're not going to watch it, you know, right then. So I think that's an example of one of those shows that it's still used to, overall it's still pretty much as popular as it used to be. But if you look at the overnight ratings, you might start to think, wow, this is really starting to fall off. And I think that Fox is just sort of the first one to officially say when it comes to us making decisions on whether we're going to keep shows or not, we're not focusing on the overnight ratings which they've probably haven't been for a while <laughs> necessarily. And they truly bucked the trend. But they just sort of put it out there officially that that's what they're going to be doing. 
And so I guess if they cancel a show, you got to look at what their the overall numbers were and see what was going. I mean, Fox is that Fox is the company that puts out I th- I just saw a press release for something else regarding Empire and their number that they put out was 22.9 million watch that show, but that's not the live. That's the seven day out plus how many people are watching it at fox.com plus how many people are watching it on Hulu, how many people are watching it on demand. That was like their composite number of this is the total number of people watching that show. But even a show that's as high rated as that is getting another eight, nine million people watching it in other in other places besides Wednesday night. Yeah. I mean, I hate to beat the same dead horse, though, but at the end of the day, if, if I'm an advertiser who wants to spend, you know, money on a show, I'm not going to spend 20 million viewers worth on it. I'm going to spend 12 million viewers on it, whatever, you know, you know I mean, just kind of simpl- to simplify the, the approach. Because at the end of the day, I mean, even, even the comment you guys made, or JC made before about the study that shows that people are still retaining information. Well, I look at it this way. If I'm paying, and let's just dumb the math down, if I'm paying $100 for this for this spot that I know 6 million people are going to watch it, I'm not going to pay the same $100 for the spot that 6 million people well, might maybe only you pay less, but you still might pay for them. Or you're well, saying yeah. that the live audience is so dedicated that I could get a premium for the live audience because those are the real people that are really dedicated to the show, much like we talk about advertising on podcasting. Yeah, it also depends on the the type of audience that you have watching it live, you know, who those people are or, or, or what type of thing, how much you can get for, you know, you might have over, you know, you might be selling the ads out for different rates or, you know, for the type, for the type of stuff. But as long as you're still getting, but I still, still think it, it also comes into play if that's your production and you see that you can take in this much money, even if it's less than you used to be able to take in, but you know that it's popular and you can get money down the road for it, you're going to keep producing that show because of the future income that you can get off of it. Right. I I mean, I totally agree that that's one of the reasons why we've seen and will continue to see a trend towards um, TV networks running more and more shows from their own net, from their own studios versus, you know, the hodgepodge that it's always been in the past. So, I mean, I I hear you and I, I agree. I agree to a certain extent. I just don't think, I think in the long term of things that the, that the money is going to change. And if it's less money, then that means that that will trickle down and mean less money for budget for television. Yeah, well, it's already it's already changed. I mean, that's why there's 18 to 20 minutes of advertisements in. They're trying to make it up in bulk uh, right. over the last, you know, the last 15 years. True that. I mean, all you got to do the next time you're on Netflix, go load up a show from the 80s or or the 70s or something like that. And when you you check out those 52 minute runtimes you know, for, for the episodes, you know, for, you know, for like the, you know, the A team, you know, at like 50 minutes or something like that. Or then you, you see that. that you see that they've been over time, they've been trying to make up some of the shortage by putting more commercials in, which has only helped to hurt the live watching because the, the more commercials you have to set through, the less people want to set through commercials. It's a very, it's a, it's a, it's, you're trying to cover it by doing the thing that's making 
less and less people watch it, so you try and cover it with more ads, and it makes less people watch it. It's it's kind of a stupid process if you think about it. I I would actually be interested to see if things start to go the other direction where shows start getting a little bit longer, there's less ads in the shows, but those are more of a premium because, you know, it's not watered down with, you know, 16 other things that are being advertised throughout the hour or things like that, that, you know, maybe you start getting a little bit more show. I have noticed that some of the Fox shows actually are, the run times are closer to like 45 minutes these days. Mm. When I've seen, you know, screeners and things like that, they have, uh, you know, they're coming in at, at slightly longer run times because I've seen things that have gone all the way down to uh, I've seen some episodes on things be as as little as 39 minutes, you know, maybe 40 minutes if you include like opening and closing credits. And <laughs> that's kind of ridiculous for <laughs> that you'd have 20 plus minutes of ads over the course of the hour. And besides the ads, it's also changed the way TV works. Because you yeah. have so many different ad breaks, that was one of the things that uh, Mindy Kaling talked about when they moved to Hulu. The ad break structure is different, and so they had to completely restructure how they shot the show because mm-hmm. you, you you had to write the show differently because uh, you didn't have as many ad breaks. So you weren't, you know, the the idea you write the show and it has sort of an upswing into a commercial break with the idea of it trying to hook you to stay over the commercial break and come back afterwards. But when you do that like six times or seven times in an episode, like an hour long show, that's why some things just really blaze along is they're, they're having to click through a lot of stuff to keep, to try and keep the people that are watching interested. And it's the one thing that I think advertisers have missed the boat on too. I mean, we talk about how people are moving to, you know, their, their tablets and their phones and the web to watch television and you have this screen real estate that you can take advantage of every pixel. And I still don't understand with that study that came out, why we don't see more advertisements with a kind of lower third, uh, right side one third, and the ad plays in the two thirds on the left, right? But at least you have static images, like that would be like web banner images that you would repurpose as your web banner advertising on these network channels. And then as you are skipping through those commercials, at least that static image is there so that you can then have that brand recognition and retainment value. Or the static, yeah, just some sort of static message that is telling you, you know, you can't help but read it because it's just there. Even though you're fast-forwarding through it, it's there. Because let, let me tell you, Alexis, you know, put Santa has snow globes and then a car <laughs> magically shows up in my driveway because Santa makes it happen. I mean, save yourself the thousands of millions of dollars of production value and just say, Alexis has a red bow on it. We get it. We've, we've understood it for years. <laughs> Just show me a picture of the car that's really pretty on the inside of it, and I'd be more happy to buy one. Uh, and then your commercial doesn't cost as much money, so you don't have to spend <laughs> so much money to actually charge the advertisers for it. Yeah, I don't know. It's, it's a vicious cycle. It's a it's a weird thing with the with the ads and the, and especially with the proliferation of everything and all the different places that you can get stuff and watch things. Uh, but for me, I still think that some of the things like. The idea that paying for an ad on Hulu or paying for an ad on the website of the show that you pay less for somebody that actually has to watch the ad than you pay for that you know, a viewer that watched it live the night before on a TV, you know, or on when it was broadcast. 
I think some I I think they're all probably working on different ways to uh think but I think the main thing is we're going to continue to see more shows bought and produced by their own production companies so that it's all in-house uh type stuff and I mean we've already seen that with a lot of things that you know you go wow how did that show make it another season and you're just you're like oh it's it's company owned as opposed to the show that was slightly higher rated, but they're paying a fee to get, you know, a, a bigger fee to get that than producing it themselves. Uh, Cause the production company, it costs so much to produce it and they got to charge more so that they can make money. And then you got to be able to sell more ads than that so that you're making money. Yeah. It's a very vicious, uh, vicious cycle that we're in. Uh, and we are all, we're all sort of part of the problem as we all fast forward. <laughs> we all watch a bunch of stuff and fast forward through ads. And as I've said in the past, I'm I'm helping to kill the medium I love <laughs> by by doing so. But I don't know. We're finding other other models and and things like that for how shows get produced and where they're going to be and finding good stuff to watch. It's all your fault. Yes. <laughs> All right. Speaking of TV. Prime time. That's right. Sorry. Had to do it. <laughs> First up on the list, Quantico, season one, episode eight, over. I think they're going out of their way to make me hate Shelby, and that depresses <laughs> me because she's my favorite character. And I only love Shelby because we got, first got introduced to her on Unreal in the summer. <laughs> I was like, yes, Shelby's back. Hey, some of us, some of us liked her all the way back on Greek. So, just oh, that's true. I, I totally forgot she was on Greek. Thank you so much. She I was, am hundred percent awesome on Greek. <laughs> yeah, she is. She is quite good and having quite the year actually with that, mm-hmm. uh, so far. But other than other than that, Ivy, what are you, what are you thinking about Quantico? I I, I just I'm a little frustrated by the structure. I guess it's like they have to I mean I mean let, let's be real. We always talk about the reality, you know, how accurate TV shows are and that kind of thing. And the entire training piece just feels entirely inaccurate. I mean not even close to what FBI training actually is. But I feel like they've with the structure of the flash back, I mean I don't know, you know, the flash forwards or the flashbacks, whichever perspective you want to you want to go in. Um like they've boxed themselves in this particular style and some episodes that works really really well and some episodes that don't doesn't excuse me um and i don't know if it worked as well in in this final i guess it's not the final episode of the if they well i don't know if this this was the winter finale like abc everything's having a winter finale not yet not yet sunday oh so we're getting more yeah they we had to take a break for the uh, american music awards but there'll be a new episode this coming Sunday, so. So I guess, you know, it's it's I I I, I, I want to skip to the end and just find out who, <laughs> you know, it's like, and that's it's, I, I'm enjoying the show, and I like I hate to I, I feel like I'm being been critical. I'm enjoying the show, but more than more than anything on TV, I just can can someone can I just call ABC and say, hey, just tell me, I won't tell anybody. <laughs> Because I mean, put it I, under I, embargo. I, I'll yeah, sign an agreement. Just tell me. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll yeah, give you my TV. It's almost like oh, they're God. trying to do the how to get away with murder concept, where at least with how to get away with murder, they show you the ending 
and then each week it's focused on one particular character. So at least you can stick with the story and understand how it's unfolding. Because as this, you know, uh, how to get away with murder season unfolded, I thought it unfolded really well up until the winter finale. Quantico is just like all over the map for me. I I really want to love it, and I, I mean, I all the characters I find very enduring right away from the get go in the pilot. But man, it's like it's so frustrating to have to work so hard to figure out what is going on in between the two time frames. It's like either have it written to the commercial beat so that the whole act is at the Academy and then the next act is all the way at the front or give me an all episode at the Academy and then next week do all up in the, in the present time, much like walking dead was almost doing uh, for this current six season where they were like with the townie folk and then the people that were on the road and back and forth kind of that way. It just makes it easier on the audience to follow along with the story, I think. And this is just so complicated now that it's like, gosh, I don't know if I want to come back after the winter finale. <laughs> I guess I'm just glad that we're we're past, or at least seemingly past, the the the, the preview for next week being, oh, it, now it's this person, and oh, now it's it must it must be the twins. <laughs> you know, it's like every every week we've got the new like original character. It must be, and I feel like we've gotten to the end of the original character, so hopefully it won't be. I mean, I still have my theory on if it's. If it's somebody from the class on exactly who it is, and I, I still feel like I'm right, but you know, neither here nor there. It has to be from the class. They told you it was somebody from the class. It can't well, be anybody else. They said that else. in the beginning. I mean, they could lie. <laughs> they, you know, we've never been lied to before. But I think because they quietly and very slowly introduced Jacob Artis's character, Brandon, that's who I think it's going to be. If it if it truly ends up being somebody from the class, it's going to be him because he's a familiar character. But in the first episode. He was in, I mean, he barely had one line. He was just in the background. And so it was like, we're just going to layer him in there and then bring him to be more and more prominent into the show just to, you know, just to quietly make you think he was there from the beginning. Uh, but he wasn't because we weren't that smart or we wanted to, we wanted it to not be one of the people. We wanted you to like all the people from the beginning. So that's, that's, I'm calling it now. Well, actually, I called it three weeks ago, but I'm calling it now again in a more public fashion. It's going to be Brandon. And I like your style, Ivy, because I actually have Brandon's girlfriend as the one who's pegged. So I wonder now, because they're dating, if it's actually both of them working together, one on the outside, one on the inside. Oh, yeah. Because we've not seen, well, we've seen her in the present, but I don't think we've seen him in the present yet. But she's the only one that's still following, that's a trainee, that's still kind of following by the book as part of the FBI, where everybody else is kind of rogue doing their own thing. So that's why I was like, she's got to be the person. She's got to be the one. Yeah. Brandon helped her out. I hate that guy. <laughs> well, I'm just I'm just really excited for the fact that six months six months after graduating from the FBI Academy, that all of these you know former candidates have have gotten you know grown to such trusted roles in the organization. Right. You know, it's like oh oh well we've got an investigation. Well, we'll just use this person that's six months old. Oh, and then we're going to use this person too. It'll be great. I'm sure we don't have anybody more experienced. No, not at all. There's some things that are annoying about it from the beginning, like the whole idea that they would bring her in and then instantly say she's the one that did it. Like they would have that quickly after a bombing, they would have that definitive of information to just pin it on her. The whole time, the whole thing has bothered me. Uh, you have all these higher ups and the trainer, you know, the trainees that are have been out there for a while now. And that everybody would buy in to she would 
build the bombs in her apartment and leave the stuff there, you know, and all these different things, you know, that in this last episode, uh, she finds evidence that other bomb making materials were bought with her credit card. And that seems so fake to me. Like that's part of the reasoning that they're using to say that she did it is, is that she was such a great FBI trainee that she decided to put everything out there <laughs> exactly like exactly how it would be found you know that a, 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 a trained fbi agent wouldn't be i mean she's finally at least said that in a couple different places like do you think <laughs> that i would be that stupid you know there's obviously a, a, a frame job yeah but that that doesn't get mentioned enough and that they have all these people that keep that are just she did it she did it she did it and and that's always bothered me uh, at least some of her friends have come around to believing that it wasn't her and, you know, trying to help her out. I mean, immediately breaking out of custody doesn't help. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that doesn't help. But it's that, I mean, it's that classic TV trope. If it wasn't there, then what would the show be about, you know? Yeah. <laughs> but it's, it's just some of those things where it, I get that that's the thing. And I like the style of going back and forth and seeing how some of these things played out and learning more about the characters as, as we go by, you know, flashing back to their train, you know, their time during the training. Uh, I, I like shows that give you some sort of twist on the, the, the storytelling, but the thing that you were uh, mentioning about the, the next week being, <laughs> Oh, it's going to be, it's got to be the twins or it's got to be so-and-so that was starting to bother me too. I hate when shows do that. Uh, That's a perfectly fine thing to be. I need to talk to the twins or I need to find Shelby or I need to look into this. But when it becomes, you find one thing and then now you, the person who's being hunted and framed (laughs) instantly jumps to the conclusion (laughs) that it was this person. It so bothers me that it's it's making it hard to continue to watch. So I'm hoping that, like you said, we've gotten past that where, oh, it's got to be this person because of, you know, because I found this wire or it's got to be this person because for whatever reason. I'm glad you mentioned that one because that had to be probably the most stupid leap of logic in the entire show. <laughs> Shelby owns this really, really big company, but because the wire was made by her company, it was Shelby. I knew it the whole yeah. time. <laughs> Again, because what? Shelby is so stupid as an F- trained FBI agent that if she was behind it, she would use stuff from her own company. <laughs> well, it's like, you know, it's like, oh, they bought it at Walmart. It must have been Sam Walton. He was behind it the entire time. Like how? Come on now. Let's let's be just a little bit. Let's prove that we trust our audience just a little bit more than that. Yeah, I'm enjoying the the back and forth, of the the how the sh- the story is being told, but some of the stuff that they're doing within that is getting frustrating. And I'm wondering how much longer, if those types of things continue to do, j- that I'll continue to watch because I I like a lot of the people that are in it. But it's really it's, <laughs> but it is getting to that point where, if they don't give you some sort of answer to something, <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah, and I think that's why the how I get away with murder concept works because at least in nine episodes you get an answer that sets up another question, so at least you feel like there's closure and and 
they just keep introducing new stuff that there's no closure. And it's like close one thing, just talking about the blacklist again. And that's one thing the blacklist does really well is that they introduce something in one episode. And if not the next episode, the episode after that, they close up the loophole on that concept. They leave the big stuff open, obviously, but they don't introduce these dangling chads and then not pay them off somehow. Even if it's a lame payoff or a stupid payoff, it's at least paid off. So I'm not mm-hmm. sitting there for six seasons wondering, when are they going to go back to that thing? And I feel that's where Quantico is leading. It's like either they're going to have one massive episode that answers everything really quickly or... Uh, heroes. Yeah. <laughs> or they're, or they're going to have too many things. Or the Master of Time and Space is going to come and take us back to the bombing. <laughs> <laughs> no, too many butterflies. Yes. Yeah, that would be... Yes, too many butterflies. But yeah, so far I'm not... I'm not over... Quantico, but it's starting to get more on the frustrating side than uh, on the other, where some things start to just feel like twist for twist sake, as opposed to, wait, what? (laughs) That that makes no sense type of thing. Well, me being the closet Grey's Anatomy watcher, when they said that this was going to be Grey's Anatomy for the FBI, and then the first episode clearly was not. I mean, the pilot was fantastic. I was really taken aback by it of how awesome it was. I almost kind of want the Grey's Anatomy of the FBI now. Yeah, it, it almost <laughs> would be if you just got the 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 just the trainee stuff instead of this whole mystery stuff and just the the sort of Grey's Anatomy relationship stuff uh, happening. You only get a, a little bit of that stuff. The type of stuff like this episode ends. There's two things that bother me about it. One. You have this building that's been taken over by the FBI and somehow your main suspect is able to walk right into the lobby. Like there's nobody at the door. There's it's nobody the outside. It's the magical hoodie. It's you know? the magical hoodie. <laughs> yeah. That's the type of stuff. She walks in and she's like, oh, I'm here. And everybody pulls their gun. And you're just like, really? She could have walked in <laughs> and exploded the place if she was actually a bomber. <laughs> Because apparently you can just walk right in. The other thing that bothered me is when she says there's another bomb, but I can't tell you where it is. That there. Exactly winning you any friends. That there is the stupidest way to put that is you come in and you say, I didn't do it, but I think there's another bomb out there. And I wanted to tell you that. That I found evidence that I think points to there being another bomb, but I'm not involved. Not, there's another bomb and I can't tell you where it's at. Yeah, what's coming next? I want immunity, I want an immunity deal to tell you the location. <laughs> yeah, that's just... <laughs> I won't give you my evidence until you clear my name of the first one. You, instead of saying why you can't tell them where it is, being that you have no idea, you just think there are more out there based on this evidence, but... You say it in the completely dumbest way possible so that they will not listen to you, you know, type of thing. It's that type of stuff when you can see the writing and you can see that it was written in such a way to create a future problem and you, your brain goes, but nobody would say that. Nobody would do that. <laughs> that's the type of stuff that, that start that's really starting to bother me with this show is you as in too many different situations, I can see the writing where it was written a specific way for a future problem. Not because that 
was a good way to write something or how somebody would actually act in that situation or how somebody would actually say something in a certain situation. You can see, and to me, I don't want to see the writing. I want to see the show. I want to be sucked into the show. I want to, I want to be following these characters. You know, I want to be following the mystery. I don't want to be reminded along the way with, you know, a handful of times during the thing where it just totally takes you out of it because you're just like, nope, that wouldn't happen. (laughs) It's like, I can buy a lot of stuff. I can buy the setup and all these things, but, you know, I've had problems all the way back to the beginning of the series, even though I really liked the first episode, the idea that you would find her on top of the rubble and then she would be the, (laughs) she would be the suspect it's the most inept bombing <laughs> ever. And how did, and how did you get, how did you do this and then end up on top of the rubble? Uh, it makes, it makes no sense, but there, you know, there were little, there was stuff like that where I was, you're able to push it aside, but it keeps happening more and more. Uh, you know, it, it wasn't like a one-off. <laughs> you get like a handful of them, an episode, uh, and it's starting to overtake the things that I enjoy about the about the show. I just want to know how many was it did, did the FBI work out some deal with television that at least one character on FBI show was going to be named a special agent booth? <laughs> you know, like <laughs> how, did, how did that name clear legal? Like, <laughs> oh no, there's no other fictional FBI characters with the last name Booth. <laughs> which is a complete non sequitur and I but I just wanted to fit that in before we moved on. <laughs> I have no idea, but uh, you know maybe it's a maybe it's a thing. Like the FBI says, we will let you use <laughs> the FBI logo if you <laughs> make at least one character named Booth. Yeah, next week on Blind Spot, you know Sarah Booth shows up. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Blind Spot, season one, episode nine, authentic flirt. What do you think of this episode, Troy? And Blind Spot so far. Blind spot for me started out in a really interesting place because it was like, oh, this is going to be great. It's going to be very blacklist formulaic kind of thing. Follow the tattoos, follow the puzzles. And then it was like every single episode was, oh, let me out in the field, please, coach. Please put me in. Let me out in the field, coach, please. And it's like, oh, are we going to do this every week where it's like, I have assets. You know, I have assets. Let me use my assets. And I'm glad that trope finally went away after like about the fourth episode. The key with the Daylight Project, that's when I really got interested in Blind Spot. So it took three episodes to get going from that perspective. But then they've already explained what Daylight was. And I'm like, man, this kind of like irritates me. I'm like, what's the point of the show? <laughs> so now we're back to the why is she there? Why are the tattoos? Who's involved? And I honestly think the the most interesting part of the show for me anyway, um, again, because I'm probably the closet Grey's Anatomy coming out again, is the... Uh, her and her geeky friend, her, her lover, uh, they're playing the uh, house in the library, looking at the tattoos on the side. I thought the two of them doing the national treasure thing through the library in the previous episode, I thought it was probably the best part of the show so far because they at least those characters have chemistry. They have smiles on their faces. They seem fun with it. Kurt Weller, as his FBI character, drives me up a wall because it's like watching paint dry. And I know Jamie Alexander's great, and I know she's beautiful, but man, it's like, can she smile once? Like, she never, anything I've ever seen her in, Covert Affairs, doesn't smile. Kyle XY, doesn't smile. 
You know, it's like just just crack a smile once. And I thought the uh, the shots at the end with the girlfriends, I thought that was really interesting to see her kind of loosen up a little bit. So maybe that'll go somewhere. Um, of course, you know, drastically interrupted by the fact that uh, techie girl Marshall, as I call her, I call her Marshallette <laughs> from the alias days. <laughs> Uh, you know, her, her boyfriend actually gets killed because she's following this mystery woman. So I, I'm really interested that they've actually brought forth two concepts, which is the, the CIA guy uh, with his daylight connections now kind of blackmailing one of our agents because of her gambling problem. And then, of course, following around who's this mystery woman and what's this mystery woman all about. And the fact that we had our um, the lead FBI character that's running the case, you know, that she actually had... Uh, the other person from what was it, the president's office or whatever, you know, she was a, a lesbian there. They had a relationship of some kind. So I thought that was an interesting twist that she ended up went and killed herself over this daylight thing. So it definitely runs deeper, but at the, at the end of the day, it's why was she put there in the first place? And is it really just to expose this daylight project? So I'm hoping that this lady that they're following at the end of the episode really is kind of the new, new leg for when the show returns. Mm-hmm. How about you, Ivy? See, it's it's weird because I actually like the chemistry between the two leads, but it anno- but at the same time, while I like it, it annoys the the ever loving piss out of me because it's like it's like he forgot to he forgot how to oh wow completely lost um, he forgot how to speak with an English accent I mean with an American accent you know Stapleton Sully Stapleton was was good on doing the American accent on. I want to call it Counter Strike, and that's Strike not back. right. What was the show? Strike Back. Counter Strike was the video game, um, but it's like now he's totally forgotten how to do it. He can only say four words at any given time before he has to move on to the next thing he's saying, and it's just—it's such a weird vocal um, affectation that it—that it's just—it completely pulls me out of the show because once you hear it, you'll never be able to not hear it. He only—he only is able to say like five or six words at a time. And then he pauses before he moves on, <laughs> and it's annoying. Well, as as somebody posited that that they would have rather seen the two strike back leads switch their fall NBC shows mm-hmm. because the one on the player can do an American accent because he is an American. I mean, he he's that show. I mean, I love I love the player. Yeah. It's just the players oh, in a really I bad time too. slot, you know. Like, but, don't kill the player. I'd rather I'd rather see the the, yeah. the lead on the player be the lead on Blind Spot, and then you'd have a really kick ass show. Yeah, because then you could have had Sullivan Stapleton be the player and use his regular accent because the player could be from anywhere, and they could have written in the the backstory. But here they have to write him in as an FBI agent, and the the idea that he's an FBI agent from some other country is sort of a would be sort of weird. So. Uh, oh, so that that already makes the player so much better. Uh, here, here, here. He's ex, he's ex five. You know, uh, extradited to the United States, looking for work, and then that's why he joins up with the house. And then he could totally do his British accent, and it would be perfect. Mm. And then we'd have somebody that doesn't have paint drying as their only capacity to to act on the oh, blind spot. But he's, but he's, and that's, but that's what's so frustrating is he's better than that because he was good on Strike Back. Exactly. I'm not saying he was. He was Academy Award winning good on Strike Back, but the guy could carry a scene, yeah. and it seems to have completely lost that ability. And you're right in that Alexander, beautiful and can act, and is and is bringing 
I mean, granted, it's just a single note. It's this, she's playing this vulnerability so well, but at some point she has to stop being vulnerable, right? She has to stop and make that leap between, okay, I don't know what's going on, but I'm a badass, so I don't care what's going on. We're going to figure it out, but I'm not going to be so scared of my own shadow, which is kind of how she feels. Like she's playing so vulnerable, it feels like she's scared of her own shadow. It kind of just drives me up the wall. Because they're better, they're better than this, and I don't understand why. Why we feel like we're stuck here? And like you're right. She, I like when she drops that line of maybe this is her badassness coming out, but she's like, "Yeah, I've gotten out a couple times. I sneak out of the house." It's like, how did yeah. you sneak out? Well, they're worried about people getting in, not people getting out. It's like really. <laughs> well, and it's delivered almost nonchalantly. It's not like she's bragging. She's just saying, "Yeah, I've gone for a couple walks. You know, it's like I've gone to the bar. What of it? What's your point?" It just shows the ineptitude again of the FBI because if they're watching people coming back in, they're not even seeing her coming back in. (laughs) True that. Uh, I I really hated that they – and you you call her Marshallette. I call her Special Agent Chrissy Seaver. Um, (laughs) I was very very disappointed to see – or Special Agent, not Captain America's girlfriend from Avengers um, because they cut all those scenes. Um, But I just expected – excuse me, the fact that they – killed him off that was disappointing because you're right it was an interesting side plot it brought her out of her shell a little bit but i don't i mean like there's more loss in this show than i feel like there should be you know she's lost her memories he lost her his childhood friend zapata lost her integrity you know what i mean the 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 lead agent um lost her integrity mayfair lost her integrity it's just like can can somebody have a good day on the show can can somebody go home and be like, yeah, I had a good day at the office today? No. The one person that does, first we break them up, and then we kill them. Bad. Well, I guess you could say that uh, Weller's having a good day, right? He's back actually drinking with Dad at the kitchen table. <laughs> Everything's forgiven now because I'm drinking with good old Dad. Yeah. Uh, you know, the one, of the, the one thing that really <laughs> bothers me, though, is, and this is just a total pet peeve, because I was really frustrated when they were like, oh, the DNA test, you're Taylor Shaw. Oh, the tooth test says you're not Taylor Shaw. So then Jane doesn't know about the tooth test. So Jane thinks she's Taylor Shaw, yet everybody still calls her Jane. Like, <laughs> does that not bother anybody else or is that just me? <laughs> that, that they wouldn't have that they wouldn't have started calling her Taylor. Taylor. Right. <laughs> or or that she uh yeah, that I I've thought or, that or at too, least never address bit. it like you guys can call me Taylor. It's okay. Yeah, or or somebody yeah, say something as to, uh, yeah, as to that. I've thought that same thing too. Is to like why they keep everybody keeps calling her Jane? Like because that's what they, like is because she's like still not comfortable with that that idea yet or something or I I don't know they but yeah I think they they probably should uh, address that seeing that they they sort of came to a definitive or somewhat definitive uh, thing but. The thing that sort of bothered me in this episode is more with the advertising is they advertise going into the episode, you know, somebody, you know, somebody's going to die. And then the guy that's been in like an, a, a half episode, <laughs> you know, basically, and one other appearance is the person that gets killed off. Uh, not that I wanted to see any of the main people do it, but I hate that type of stuff where it's like not everybody they're talking about this whole story and they showed them landing in a helicopter and this and you know not everybody makes it out and you're just like 
No, the one guy that wasn't even in is the guy that got, you know, that wasn't even a part of anything really is, is got killed. Yeah. I mean, and if daylight was this three headed monster, you know, I could, I could buy the CIA agent doing the blackmailing for her gambling addiction and everything, but it would have been cool to see this guy following this girl this entire time. And then they go into the alley and then all of a sudden it's the, it's the replacement for the president side of the equation because the lady offed herself because she couldn't handle it. You know, it would have been great to see, yes, I, you know, I'm in and I got some details and here you go. And at least that would have been a nice twist for the quote unquote fall finale, even though we have another episode uh, tonight, Monday, as we're recording this on the 23rd. Um, but it, it, that would have at least been a different twist to expect just to see him get killed. It's like, why? It, like, number one, it, he hasn't been in, in it long enough to care. And number two, it takes out probably one of the most endearing parts of the show that I think we've had so far. And then three, it's just like, now I just have questions upon questions upon questions of who this mystery lady is. And did she actually kill him or did she have like an army in the alley? (laughs) And the guy that was following him, he should have been following a little closer. Yeah. (laughs) He obviously wasn't like protection detail. He was just there to make sure. I don't know. I guess that guy wasn't uh, talking to other people or saying anything about what he had learned from special agent Chrissy Seaver. (laughs) <laughs> which I will never not be able to just think of it that way now. Well, it's 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 funny though because we, you know, you Teresa a second ago, it's like she hasn't been enough in it to care, but at the same time then the next thing we say the only endearing thing about the show. So, I mean, my trick is and I maybe I'm becoming more and more like Kyle every day is that I I really don't I, I mean, I watch the previews, but I don't give them much credit. You know, it's it's because the people, and because we all know the people making the previews aren't the ones making the show. Yeah. So it's 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 and because like we just said on on Quantico, it's like uh, like it, it's it's un, it's inappropriate hype. You know, the hype is there for the show, but it's not it's inaccurate. So why bother to pay much attention? Just like I want to see the you know I'll see the scenes and be able to figure out what I want little bit I want to from what's coming next. But it's. Like the hype that they build, I don't think is accurate. So, but I didn't even know that anybody was going to die. So I I went into it completely unspoiled. Well, there there you go. Well, then they said someone's going to die, and then you find out that the lady ends up committing suicide. I was like, well, that's a crappy death. Thanks for <laughs> thanks for promoting the heck out of that. I don't know. I I'm still liking the blind spot. Or the blind spot. I'm liking blind spot. Uh, <laughs> Uh, awesome. We've had the blackish, the blind spot, and sooner or later we'll get to the blacklist. Let's talk about the heroes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> the, the, is the, the blind spot, is that the crossover with the NFL? The, 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 the reborn heroes. But with the, with blind spot, it's sort of in that same, it's getting to be sort of in that same spot as Quantico, as in you need something as opposed to they answer a tattoo, but not what even like a hint at what the possible could be like there's not even enough information really to guess or to try and guess yet the tattoo should be like the d story every week and then at least by the time the fall finale rolls around the c story has been answered or within these things where they've solved these things using the tattoos or they've been or they go after them because they meet up with one of the tattoos something that they would have found along those way along the way with all those things something to give them a potential avenue or something to investigate above the tattoo of the week and so far there's nothing creating really a bigger investigation 
uh, as to you know some bigger conspiracy or what might be behind this. Which is what the blacklist did really well in the first season, because then you had you didn't know it as the viewer until it it was revealed. But that whole first section is to get you to Lucy Brooks, and that whole second section is to get you to Berlin, and then the whole third section is to get you to Berlin's daughter, and then the whole fourth section is to get to the fulcrum. You know, so it's like it's building up to something bigger, and you're not getting, of course, the A answer because that'll be the series finale. But at least each week it's it's building into something else and it that just isn't happening on blind spot currently well even well yeah. even in the beginning of the of the blacklist you had you had all these things where you were wondering why red was pointing out this person and and then you would see red would also get something out of it and so then you started wondering what red was you know going after and so there was something bigger than just the blacklister of the week and so far in this one, we just have the tattoo of the week and maybe trying to figure out who this woman that he was following was, maybe that's the thing that actually points to something bigger or is their first thing that, you know, allows them to go outside of, oh, we just got a hit and this thing matches this tattoo. Well, you've had, I mean, you've had some of these mini arcs that, that you saw, like that, that we mentioned from the block, from, um, the black see, and now the the problem is is the two names of the shows are so close to keep messing me up. <laughs> blah blah um, blah. Yeah, from from the blacklist, you've seen some of those some of those mini arcs. You know, is she or is she not Taylor Shaw? What is Daybreak Daylight Day whatever the day thing is? I'm struggling with my words today. What is that and what does it mean? But the problem is on this show, they're not really con- they're not nearly as connected to what the overall there you know there's no connective tissue between those two or three many arcs as it is um and they don't seem to be all that connected to the overall arc of the show like it was on the blacklist so i think those pieces are there they're just doing a very very poor job of making those pieces important yeah and the one guy that's been the whole centerpiece behind taylor shaw's disappearance in the father and then here he's like coming over for thanksgiving dinner like no big deal <laughs> Yay. And the mob doctor is the sister. <laughs> <laughs> Jokes. No, well, all I could think of is when you said Daybreak is, well, that was a that was a sh- good short-lived show that starred Tay Diggs. Yep, and Moon Blood Good. <laughs> yes. Was it was it good though? Was it? It was. Was it? The first the first stretch of episodes was and then when they found out they were canceled, then it kind of lost its way to close it up. But I thought it was good enough. I, it's it's a show that starred three actors that I really, really like, and I couldn't make it. I don't think I made it to the cancellation. And I normally give shows like that with, you know, the three actors that I like a longer chance than that, and I just couldn't. I made it to the end. But speaking of things that have people in it and are sort of good sometimes. <laughs> oh, and I, and I thought and I thought you had a, such a good segue set up there. Uh, I did for a second and then I lost it. Uh, much like the show that seemed to have a good setup and lost it. <laughs> Heroes hey. Reborn. Season 1, Episode 10, 1153 to Odessa. Speaking of going to Odessa, where, where in L.A., I guess, can you just be sitting on a bench and a bus that's going to Odessa pulls up that's not really like a bus terminal? I don't know. That, that was weird. But besides that... <laughs> I mean, was he, he was he in L.A.? Wherever he was, he, he's a character that I can totally lost. I thought 
I thought that whole storyline was done. We can move on. But no, heroes, heroes just likes to bring people back from the dead. Those last couple of episodes. And I don't know if we needed to do that. We could have just moved on. You mean like a computer program showing up 8,000 years into the future? <laughs> it, could, it could happen. Well, I mean, I like the idea that we've given it a name, though. And, and now that we're starting to, if we're really going to spend that much time with it, that we give it a name and we start building rules for it. Um, and now that they've got the, you know, they're, now they're called constructs and multiple, multiple constructs exist and can, you know, come and go. And when I say come and go, I mean, be, you know, be, what's the word? Be in digital the digital analog. analog world. <laughs> yeah. Digital analog. Yeah. So, they're all over the place. Shogun. So I, Shogun. Like, but, but I think it, I still think it's a pretty, I mean, I like the Miko character. But I don't like the fact that she's, you know, we don't know which character Miko really is. If, if, if they're able to bring the real Miko back to life, is she going to be anything like the Miko that we know? And if it isn't, then how many shades of it is of Allie Larder's 18 different characters on the original run come back to us? And that's kind of what I've been trying to figure out as the show's been going on. Which of the new characters are representing the old characters? Because especially Tommy, I knew Tommy was going to be a time traveler right from day one. You know, I didn't realize that Hiro Nakamura was going to be his quote-unquote father in a way. Um, that was kind of interesting. I think for me, I'm looking at it in, in three sets. Like the, there was the first five episodes before we had uh, Hiro show up and take Noah back to the beginning. I thought that I was really frustrating for me as a former Heroes watcher all the way to the end because all I wanted was my people back, right? I wanted yeah. Parkman. I wanted Mahinder. I wanted all these. I wanted to know what these people were all about. Then we got to that part, and it was really, really interesting, and I loved how they were setting up, and I loved that the, tw- the babies were born, and they explained Claire's death very well, and it fits the rules and everything. And then it's like, oh, and then we jumped to 8,000 years in the future, and it got stupid again. <laughs> mm. So, I mean, it's, it's, it's contrived in a way, but yet I, I kind of want to like it, but the part that's killing it for me right now is Parkman. Parkman was on such a journey of, like, hope and save the world and do what he wants to do and to go into spiritual walks and get the Isaac Mendes ability in the original series. And now he's like got this horrific twist to him. So unless there's a secret redemption story that we don't know about, I think that's the one thing that's really making this set of episodes really frustrating for me. And then the two people that he's working with, um, I don't even remember their names because I really don't give two rats butts about him because <laughs> He's trying to find his son and his son and the, and the preacher. That whole storyline has not panned out at all. It makes zero sense. And I have no idea why they're in there. At least, um, you know, with Katana Girl, their story actually made sense eventually. Because at first I was really annoyed with the two of them because I was like, oh, that's the Hiro and Ando knockoff for this season. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, they've gotten better. But, yeah, the, that whole storyline that I'm trying to find my son and, you know, trying to get the two of them out. And they were in this, you know war zone or whatever he has a special power that he hasn't used yet or whatever just just not buying it just don't care quite frankly well, he I care more about parkman <laughs> he doesn't have a power does he that's what they alluded to though that's what they're hinting at when they had the scene where she tells him to use yeah, use your use your weapon use your weapon not you know and you're supposed to think oh she's talking about the gun then you're like oh she's actually talking about she he has uh, some ability to or something but it seems to be like is it like an ability that he doesn't realize that he has or afraid to use kind of like um 
uh, Exploding Man was in the first series, first season. Yeah, I don't know. It, it they need to tie him in <laughs> sort of uh, at at some point, I guess. And you have to assume he has a power because the the son has a power, obviously. And when they set that up, you already had a rule in place because Zachary Levi's character had a son with a power. So then you had to assume one of his two parents had a power, which of course we found out Zachary Levi has the power. So but that's well, it, but it isn't his son; it's his nephew, right? So, um, because it was his his brother that was the actual um, true Luchador character. No, but I think no, I think it actually might be though. Really? Like it? Like it's his son, but they told him it was his nephew because he was going to war, so that way, or that he didn't raise the kid that his brother did. Oh, uh, that's true. I think and that would make a. I want to say there might be something in there that hints that that hinted at that that he actually is his son or something. But like I said, I don't care. But yeah, <laughs> but there's, yeah. there's so off. many. Well, there's so many things in this show that just seem like all of a sudden something happens and you're just like, wait, what? Like what? What is? <laughs> I don't. I don't even. I don't. I don't get like how this is happening. It feels like there's stuff left out. You get to a certain point and something happens and you feel like you're missing some information that they they just sort of they just sort of hand wave it away and they just sort of skip over it and just go to this this thing. You say that the I I suppose that that the kid's power could be that he can steal somebody's power like a Petrelli, which is why they call him Nathan. Yeah, except that if it was the if it was the same way as other ones the other ones didn't necessarily steal it and the other person lost their power. They got it too in some of those things because there were, I don't know. It just that, I guess that I guess you could amp it up in that his powers that he doesn't just absorb other people's powers, but actually takes it completely away from them. But for whatever reason, he can only have one at a time. And so has to stay away from other people with, (laughs) Which I think is his power. His power is to take other people's power. So he's had this teleport ability because he took away Hero's power right from the get-go when he was a baby. So that 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 would make sense. But because but I was like going back to going well, the Petrellis, the you know the one could take other people's powers and he could keep multiple powers at a time, but the other people didn't like lose their power necessarily, uh, if I remember correctly. But anyways, so I suppose that works if you say that that's the way his power works is that he actually drains people of their ability uh, and then he has it which is why he has to stay away from his sister but yet all we're doing is trying to get the two of them together two of them together and for the time travel stuff you definitely he he can't like touch somebody else or take somebody else's ability because then uh that would be that would definitely hurt for the the rest of the story that's going on but I, i don't know i keep I keep watching it. I I originally kept watching it because I thought it was only going to be 10 episodes and then was really disappointed to find out that it was 13. And I don't understand why they're splitting it and not just playing out the next three episodes in December. And Yeah, it doesn't make a lot of sense. And bringing it back in, in January for the first three weeks. That seems like a bizarre break for something that's only 13 episodes. Yeah, if you're going to wait, at least wait till sweeps. You know, if it, there's there's no there's not a lot of reason to put it in January. 
Well, it's not been doing well enough to, to do anything. It seems like you would want to launch maybe something new along with the Blacklist and Shades of Blue uh, to you know for a whole new night instead of you launch a night and for three weeks it has this and then... It's gone and doesn't come back. And then, and then it's gone and then you've got to put something else in that spot. I don't know. It just... It just seemed like a weird, a weird thing. If you're going to have something that's just that a short run, and especially when they started it off with two two hours, uh, they totally could have played it where they end it with two hours and just finished it consecutively, and then just had you know the, the eight weeks or whatever in between, and you would have just finished out its run. Like that to me just doesn't make sense. So that's a weird break to me to to do for for something that's short like this. Uh, but then, you know, NBC does weird stuff with their show. And, 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 yeah. I, and I appreciate the concept. And uh, as a Heroes fan, I appreciate them bringing it back for some more stories because I think the story has been interesting enough to keep me watching till at least the 13th episode. Do I come back for another one of these? To be determined. But I think if you're going to do a 13-episode block like this, then... Just give it to the streaming service or make it available like they're going to do with the, the new Star Trek, right? Show me the two-hour premiere to get me interested and then buy the five ninety nine NBC app and the people that want to watch it can watch it and the people that don't want to watch it don't have to waste an hour of primetime television for it. Or if you're going to put it on the network, put it in a block where you run 13 episodes straight. It'd be, you know, like FX starting a show and running it for eight to 10 weeks and then coming back a, a month or so later and finishing it off in January. And you're just like, no, it's a 13 episode series. They rented 13 episodes, 13 weeks in a row. Then it's done. That's my problem. It's, that's always been my thing with some of the summer shows uh, on some of the cable networks and stuff like that, where they've done, you know, they do these short runs where they break it apart in like nine episodes and five episodes or something, or, or what have you, and you're just like, no, just either do it like eight and eight, or ten, you know, ten and eight, or and and give a a nice gap between the two. Or, I mean, what they do, like TNT does, I get where you do a smaller run, but you do it like end of November into December, where other things are going away, so you you have less competition type of thing. Uh, that that sort of makes sense, but when you just have a show like this that has, it's supposed to be a an individual beginning, middle, and end story, and then you put what we have five, six weeks before it's back to finish out the last three episodes. That just seems stupid. I can't imagine a lot of people after watching this last episode going, "Oh, I can't wait." Yeah, they're gonna give me a, are they, are they gonna be an hour recap show beforehand just so I can make sure I remember what happened. I, I can't wait because uh, I I've been letting this one pile up. I actually watched five episodes over the weekend to catch up since we were gonna talk about it on the podcast. And I don't know. I maybe it's even as a binge like watching it all. It's even more frustrating because I felt like we didn't really go anywhere in five episodes. Well, and the, and the sad part is, is you had the the two or three good episodes were in the middle of that binge, but then it was followed up with this these last two, which have just been like, why should I care? Because I think they did a really good job in those in those flashback episodes to really bring 
most of the stories together. Um, I mean, less so, like you said, the you know the the guy and the kid. Um, I I actually care about Farah. I'm, I'm interested in in her role because she kind of plays into both. But but you're right, and and if you're trying to make those analogies to the uh, to the at least to the first season set of characters, you know the Farah and um, whatever his name is, Carlos characters are, are definitely the Nikki and DL, with, whose stories don't seem to be at all connected to the overall mystery. Um, Trying to protect Micah it, from it, the power that he doesn't know he has. Right. Yeah. Um, and oddly, there here they are trying to now rescue Micah or as a part of that team. Exactly. Um, but it's 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 a shame because they had. I think that there's a good idea in there um, in what they're doing, and I think those those two flashback episodes, which kind of told you what the story was. I think we waited too long to get there for us to figure out what this run was about. Um, and then you're right that the way that they're playing it out is breaking it up in a way that'll. Because it's this is too short of a season to have these two moving the pieces into place episodes, which is what I feel like these last two ones were. And then now again, as as Jason said, to, to break it up and give us six weeks before we go back and finish it all. Is anybody those of us that are are doing our best to care about this show? Are any of us going to care about it come January? I, I don't think so. And I'm going to put this out there now, and you can all hit me later if this actually comes true. But if you watch uh, Mama Petrelli's Vision. Literally, somebody bends down, touches the wasteland dirt, and then the grass begins to grow. And now that we've actually seen the wasteland 8,000 years in the future, if it all comes to like, oh, we all just need to get along and go through the thing together because we really can't escape the magnetic pole reversal. So we're just going to rebuild in the future, and it's really the kids are going to have to bring life to the wasteland. I'm going to be like, yeah, that sucks. (laughs) Well, I can totally see it happening. There can't be more seasons. Because right. I, I don't think you could you could make more seasons after that. So, could, so maybe it should that. happen so that they don't. Well, would it? But it really be the same if you go that far into the future? And because that's the one thing about these that would come, that would be a massive game changer because society would be so different. And then it would also answer the question of whether or not Evos and regular humans could live together. How I mean, you you would certainly limit yourself if you went with that way. But. But maybe that's what they should do so that they don't try to bring the show back again and make mistakes with it. <laughs> or they just have a master of time and space to go way back to the dinosaurs. and. Or if only if, if Hero could just go back to, like, I don't know, what, like the end of season one and have them actually kill Siler. <laughs> <laughs> but Siler's character was good over the years. I think it was more the issue of the stuff that they introduced in season two that just never paid off because of the writer's strike. I think that was the issue, was that... that... I, some of the problem with the original heroes was that the original idea was to tell a story of a group of people and then come back the next season and tell a different group of people, and then the network wanted, no, everybody likes these people, so let's keep these people together. And so they had to keep trying to create stories you know, with these with the same group of people without... And they tried to bring in some new people here and there, but the thing that bothered me also was that the whole thing was it, it pointed to these people finally coming together to solve a problem. And then they sort of solved that problem. And then the next season, they all were separate again. And yeah. and they weren't. It was like it was like they knew of each other, but they didn't really talk or help each other out or do anything. And that all just seemed like it seemed like more of a, if you're going to do like heroes, that this is their journey. If you're going to keep telling those people's story is maybe they come together as sort of a group. 
of some sort or maybe work together. Uh, the other thing with was with Siler was not necessarily that they didn't kill him off, uh, although that would I think still would have been better, but ultimately that they turned Siler into an unkillable. He could have he had a gazillion powers and he got Claire's ability to not die. And so they there was no you had a bad guy that becomes uh, almost like, you know, Superman without kryptonite type of thing where there's no there's no real way to take care of him and that becomes less interesting because there's no no fight between him and anybody else that you ever believe that he's going to lose but it was his internal struggle of how he's going to become this awesomely normal human being and Uh, totally get forgiven by peter and trapped in this brick wall for so many eons But I, I'm not. Yeah, that, but that's the problem, though. Is like, and and Teresa before that that he was, and I can't remember exactly the words you were that you said, but it was like I can't grant the premise that he was an interesting character because they flip flop so many different. I mean, his character didn't have an arc; it had a, you know, a jumble of directions that decided, oh no, he's going to be good. He's going to be the good son, and nope, nope, he's going to be the bad. Like they could never really make up their mind after they did such incredible things with him in that first season of what to do next because it felt like every every eight episodes of of his arc would then go in a completely different direction it just didn't feel true you know what i mean yeah. i don't know if it's the right they wrote they wrote him for the times whatever they needed him to be that's how they wrote his character <laughs> right because he could steal any powers so it was totally plausible uh maybe if they maybe if he stole their personality too maybe that would have been a good way to, <laughs> you know maybe like if he ate their brains and he picked up their personality for a week or so. That would be a great idea. That's completely original and never been done before. But then he wouldn't be Spock. That would be illogical. <laughs> but I like iZombie. iZombie is fun. iZombie just makes me want more Veronica Mars. Yeah. I miss, it's, I miss Veronica Mars. It's a, shadow. it's a shadow. But see, my problem is Jessica Jones makes me want more Veronica Mars. <laughs> yep. Which is like, to me, it's. To me, it's a adult version of Veronica Mars that's good, but not as good. Could we yeah, have made I Veronica Mars Kurt Weller in Blindspot would be so much better? Because <laughs> <laughs> they were going to do the FBI series uh, for season four, so let's just bring her in as a character. <laughs> we, I, there's Kristen Bell for everything. I'm fine with that. All right. That's uh, probably more than enough Heroes talk. Well, unless we talk more about Kristen Bell on Heroes. Yes, that's true. <laughs> yes, just bring her back there as well. And then we just add the Kristen Bell and then it's all tied back into the blacklist. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Speaking of which, the last show on the list is the blacklist. Uh, season three, episode eight, Kings of the Highway, which I'm glad that the show, it, while it's still a few weeks, I'm glad that we're not waiting till after the Super Bowl or sometime in February to get to episodes again, that it'll just be taking off, you know, the, this few weeks and coming back at the beginning of January. Cause not a big fan of this last episode to be an episode that is sort of like your fall finale or whatever. I see. I blame heroes (laughs) because heroes had the two hour premiere and bumped the blacklist a week because the two episodes, I'm going to say two episodes, so for those that don't want to be spoiled, but there'll be two episodes that start out the run in January, 
And I honestly think that one of those two episodes was supposed to be the fall finale cliffhanger. <laughs> it could be because this episode to me felt more like filler. Yeah. A little bit. It didn't seem you had red getting taken by this Kings of the highway thing. It just, it just felt like such a, like we need to tread water for an episode uh, type of thing. And then, you know, having her get caught at the end and that wasn't much of a, of a thing to like leave you to come back for the next uh, episodes. No big, I don't know. I guess it's sort of like how are, how is the series, what is the series going to do now that she's been caught or how, you know, are they going to get her out again or what's, what's going to happen? I mean, those questions still, still are there, but the whole episode just left me like, I was not, I usually really look forward to, you know, watching the blacklist. It's, I usually can't watch it before I leave for work, but it's the first thing I watch when I come home. Uh, and so, you know, was looking forward to it and popped it on and then was just like, this is the last episode we have for six weeks. Really? Yeah. It was funny because Aaron, who does the blacklist exposed podcast with me and I were split on this episode in the first 15 minutes. So he was like, what the hell's going on in these first 15 minutes? I don't understand. This is weird. And I actually looked at the first 15 minutes and went, okay, this kind of makes sense because he, I said to my wife right away when he pulled up to that gas pump, I said, Liz is going to go inside. Liz is going to take that car or Red's going to take the car and Red's going to drive away and leave Liz in the lurch because it's part of his plan. He just didn't want to tell Liz the plan and he's going to be gone. So when he was gone, I was like, oh, this is kind of interesting. So he did exactly what I thought he was going to do. The car was gone. He drove away. And then to find out it's just, um, you know, uh, Chaz or whatever his name was and Jilly and, and the gang that kidnapped him. I was like, oh, great. It's T. Earl King all over. Got to save him. And we've already been down this before. So, yeah, a little bit lackluster there. But I did like um, Chase, I think his name was, and Jilly. And I like I like the characters. They were they were very fun to watch. I did like at the end when Red's leaving. He's like, uh, "You you you need some help." This <laughs> 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 to, to the girl because she's like all with the one guy, and then the guy knocks him off, and then she looks at the other guy and is like, "That was so strong." <laughs> <laughs> as fun as they were, it it felt, and I know we've gone away from the the real blacklist before, but this was the episode that said, "Nope." The blacklist does not matter at all anymore. And I was so while they were an interesting foil, it was they didn't feel like they were up to the caliber of what we've seen before, though. See, and we've been debating this on the podcast because this whole season is it's like I said it before. It was, you know, to find uh, Lucy Brooks and it was to find Berlin, then find Berlin's daughter, then find the fulcrum. This season has been a number of times where the blacklister has been nobody that Red actually knows. Like yeah. he didn't know Ariok Crane was going to be this girl who put Liz's name up on this dark website for a bounty hunter episode. No clue. Right. And he's like, oh, that's different. Um, and then, of course, the gin wasn't who the gin was supposed to be. And then you had, um, well, what was the other one? And then you had the episode that was, uh, well, Ariok Kane was the was Wendigo. So we thought he at least knew Wendigo. So Wendigo should have been the name of the blacklister that week, not Ariok Kane. And so a lot of that's been different. And then someone said, how do you know that Red doesn't actually know these people? You know, and it's a little bit of a stretch, but maybe he needed the Kings of the Highway to capture him in order to get 
the package in the FBI's hands and for Liz to get captured so that he could actually execute the plan because he needed those two things on the inside of the post office. And I was like, well, I'll, I'll give it to you a little bit, but... Except for the call at the end where he, he says, Lizzie, they're coming for you. Then why would he try and call in Warner that he thinks that the cops are on their way to wherever she was doing the the exchange? Because you totally need the hero to come chasing after her through the woods because wrestlers in love with Liz, even though Liz is in love with Tom. And See, at least at, at least those other antagonists felt like they could have belonged on the blacklist. Right. These were a bunch of petty, you know, petty backwood thieves that just who just happened to be in town. Yeah. At the same time, Red was. Yeah, there was just. I mean, all the other things that they've been doing along the way. A lot of these things have been part of finding a piece of information or something here or there uh, to forward Red's plan to get, you know, to exonerate Liz, and and so it still had that you know, blacklister of the week uh, type of thing where it was a little bit more on the fly as to what they were doing because they're formulating a new plan, uh, you know, and obviously they they haven't told us what the plan is, so we have no idea other than whatever was in that package that the Kings of the Highway were, were like, yeah, we'll definitely take that, but they don't show you what's in there, so... Uh, there's something there too, I guess. That's something special <laughs> in that box that's supposed to be a mystery because they they're not showing you what it is. And that was the only thing that they just had Dimby waiting for uh, some courier to deliver that. And a copy of Life on the Mississippi. Yes, I do like those those moments where <laughs> Red just like multitasking. I mean, <laughs> do, do two things at at once. Uh, those are good. It it felt sort of like an episode. Like, hey, we need to put Liz front and center for a bit because there's she been wasn't a couple... there for the last three weeks. Yeah, because there's been a couple episodes where she's basically been in the background. Um, what you were talking about, Troy, with the you know hasn't told her the the plan. That's the thing that has bothered me. They've been on the run, and he still doesn't like let her in fully on like what's going on, and it seems to me that if your plan is to exonerate her and you need her on board with what you're doing, that you might give her a few details as to what's going at of, of what you're doing from week to week. Uh, so that she, she's not, you know, doing something stupid herself. The whole thing about Tom getting warned. I still want to know how Tom and Liz ended up at a different restaurant. Well, Samar that- says she tipped him off, but, there was no way to get to Tom without the phone that they were all listening to. Right. Like, there was no, there was no secret way that I know how to get to Tom uh, without, without somebody hearing because that was the phone that they were, that they were tapping was his. And so I still don't know how that got through exactly other than my original idea was that they, uh, while they normally met at the other place or whatever, that part of their their thing, their secret code or whatever she was he was saying, they knew to meet at a, this other place. Yeah, because that's what I thought it was. I thought it was, hey, let's meet here to th- because we know everybody's listening. Yeah. <laughs> so we'll just tell everybody that we're going to meet there, case, but we're really but the not. The thing is, a normal thing would be to meet over here, and I don't know. There's there's just been some things like that, and overall, this this last episode just sort of I just felt like. 
you know, maybe you're right there that the first episode we get back would be the episode that should have been the mid-season finale. How spoilery do we want to go or not go? Because I don't, because they did show some stuff in the previews, and then Bokenkam alluded to some stuff in an EW article after the finale aired, and I think then ending that what I know is coming in that first episode, I think would have been great for it to have ended at that point for the fall Spoil finale. Me. Spoil me. Tell me everything. Cause I don't I apparently missed that article and I didn't see the previews. If it's in the previews or something like that, it's not really a spoiler. So, okay. Well, basically we've come full circle and now Lizzie is going to be in the box. Yeah. <laughs> because oh, that's, re- that, that's how wrestler has to keep her safe, but wouldn't it have been so much more awesome at the end of the episode to have wrestler walking her down and then just literally put her in there, and then as the camera pans away, the box shuts, and you were like, oh, crap. That's different. <laughs> yeah, that would it, be a been... great way to end the seat. Yeah. So, unfortunately, no, we're going to see her in the box when we come back. Sweet. The, t- the times well, have changed. I, I will say that I'm really excited that Dembe is no longer imprisoned. I think that was a kind of a, well, what's the word I'm looking for? stupid and pointless plot arc that it doesn't seem to be paid off to, you know, anything beyond just what it was other than to keep him out of the game for a while. Because Red and Dembe's relationship might be my favorite thing on the show. And I am really, we need more of that. He definitely even, does even heal more. fast though. I can tell you that. He stole my joke. <laughs> I was like, I gotta know what his recipe is for recovering after a workout. Yeah. Cause, yeah. cause he was able to get shot and then still track Red to where he was. Uh, trapped at the plane and and take a bunch of people out before he needed actual medical attention and then here we are just like a couple weeks later not just a couple weeks in episodes but it seems like timeline wise only like maybe a couple weeks within the story and he's walking around just perfectly fine yeah and i love that we've seen his network too so this whole first half of season three we've seen uh, you know, Mr. Kaplan, and then we've seen Dembe, and then we've seen Vargas, and then, of course, everybody's favorite character on the show, Glenn, from the DMV. You know, any episode he is in is a winner. Uh, we even saw Leonard Call come back uh, when they were trying to find Dembe, and then we saw his um, the torturer guy here uh, just two weeks ago. So I, I really love where how they can work in his network, because I, I think his network has more tells more about Red than we let on to know. Yeah, I think the only thing good about this episode was that it finally fully it told us where Christine Lottie's character's uh, loyalties lie. And, and, and even that's up for discussion interpretation right now because people are like, <laughs> well, does she really work for the cabal or is she just looking out for her own interests because of this mission that Solomon was involved with that might be tied to the CIA or the presidency or somehow – and she just can't risk having that get out because she is so close to the president. But does that make? But does that make her a cabal member? That's what a lot of people are asking. When you have a cleanup crew that shows up with four people in masks and plastic and plastic suits and stuff like that, that seems like you've got your own little network there or something. You're a part <laughs> of something. If you can, if you can shoot somebody and then make a call and a cleaning crew comes up and gets rid of the body for you. Uh, you're part of something that that's what made me think that you're seeing that she's actually part of and she's drinking her wine or she's somewhere. Yeah, she was a bit creepy. She's somewhere up there in that. At least that's what I I got from it. But that she definitely wasn't a neutral party or or net or potentially could be on the good side. 
All I know is I'm glad that the blacklist has has continued the tradition that Alias started so many years ago of really weird and distinct names that become such a part of the the cabal, the fulcrum, the you know the man, you know what, all of the stuff that that Alias used to throw at us. Blacklist is making sure that those those names didn't didn't you know go into the ether. More importantly, the fact that Nick's Pizza, the cousin to Joey's Pizza, actually calls Liz from time to time. <laughs> That's a good point. I missed that, missed that completely. Oh, yeah. Well, it's because John, well, John Eisendrath is running the show, and John Eisendrath worked on Alias. So, I mean, right. you could see a lot of Alias, uh, especially like Ansel Garrick episode was like when, oh, when Quentin Tarantino comes in to find the, the formula, the vial inside of SD6. Very similar episode where Liz had to save Brad and Bressler and how Sydney had to come in from the outside and, and, and save, the, save SD6. Very similar episode there. Um, her mom's Russian, right? Now they're now they're now they're postulating the reason why Red is not Liz's father is because Katerina Rostova has a daughter and Red has a daughter, and because the two of them knew that stuff was going to be going down, they switched daughters. So Red said, "I'll watch over your daughter, Katerina, if you watch over my daughter." And so now you have the passenger and the and the prophecy. <laughs> so it kind of ties in that way. That's what people are speculating if they're trying to tie it back into Alias. Oh, well. <laughs> Next thing you know, it's going to be page 47 all over again. Well, see, that's what I was wondering. Was it page 47 that he ripped out of the Jin's journal? <laughs> <laughs> At least throw that in there. Come on. Yeah, so I'm looking forward to the Blacklist coming back because I enjoy the show, even if I didn't enjoy this episode all that much. But especially since it looks like we're really going to be getting into some stuff now. Yeah. when it comes back. It, I'm definitely looking forward to that. So, And I'd be remiss, since you guys are big Blacklist fans, just for you two and maybe even your listeners, Jason, but uh, I'm actually interviewing Camp in about a week. So if you have any questions at all that you want to know, send them my way. That'd be great. At Troy Heinrichs on Twitter. Love to be able to answer anything I can, because <laughs> when he called us up and said, hey, I want to be on the show, I was like, anytime come on yeah. in it's your, it's your show yeah. we're, we're doing it for you <laughs> like this is your platform come on in so yeah we, we're gonna we're gonna grill them in about a week and then put it out december 5th so it'll be awesome to find out what's actually coming in the second half that'll be cool something to uh something to to listen to while we wait the the week that the episode that we have to wait for should probably should have played, played. <laughs> played uh yeah that's uh yeah because they could have like next week they could have played Heroes and then the ninth episode of The Blacklist and then the next week played the final two episodes of Heroes. And, and called it a day. It would have been perfectly. It would have been, it would have been, it would have been a nice, nice end to that run and we would have been set for only a, you know, only a handful of weeks to – or you know, only like three or four weeks to get to The Blacklist coming back. And uh, But, you know, I'm not programming the network, so – Instead, we're getting it the way that we are. So we'll get Christmas specials. We'll get the Wiz a thousand times. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yay. And by yay, I mean not yay. <laughs> All right. That'll do it for prime time. And we'll move on to some TV recommendations. First up, uh, my recommendation, which I recommended last week after seeing the first seven episodes, was Jessica Jones. And if you haven't started in on that yet after having watched the last six episodes and now seeing all 13, I still definitely highly recommend it. 
I think it's some of the best TV from this last year. Kristen Ritter is fantastic. David Tennant is super creepy <laughs> as Kilgrave. The whole storyline is super creepy uh, for for much of it, especially in the, the buildup in the beginning. And I like that within these Marvel series on Netflix that they seem to be doing similar to what Marvel does in the movie universe and that while they're all taking place in the same thing, each show has like its own style or its own, its own type of thing uh, where you get a lot of different, a lot of the different movies all are, they're all in the same world, but you have, you know, like the last Captain America was more of like a thriller, uh, you know, and, you know, a political thriller and, and then you have, you know, some of these other ones that are more action oriented or, you know, a, a different style of movie with the shows. Daredevil is, you know, an action vigilante series. And this one is a noir detective series. And it definitely has that feel. It, it moves at a slower pace. Then it's not as much action. But I was completely gripped from the beginning and all the way through all the way through to the end. Uh, I thought it has a, a really good arc and also sets up, you know, future seasons of Jessica Jones, as well as this whole defenders uh, group of series that they're doing. And so I, I can't really uh, recommend it enough. Hmm. I, I quite liked it. Ivy is not as big a fan. <laughs> well, well, it's, I just have Kristen Bell in it. <laughs> Yeah, well, no, this one I wanted Alex D'Addario in it, but I, I love Kristen Ritter, and I think she's doing – I'm not nearly as far along as I'd hoped to be just because of my schedule this last week. But at the same time, there's a part of me that says I'm looking at December, you know, the calendar of, of stuff coming on. It's like, oh, maybe I should take this a little bit more slowly. Maybe I should only watch an episode here or there. Um, but I guess my problem is is, is the show was so hyped. Um, I just don't know if it's to me it doesn't feel like it's it's met that hype and as far as I've gotten, which I think I'm somewhere around episode four or five. Um, you know, you lose track when you just let Netflix just take you right to the next one without even thinking about it. Um, <laughs> it all becomes just so, one giant episode. I guess I mean because I think I, I think that there's and this has become my criticism and this kind of is, con is contrary to what you just said, Jason. Is my criticism of the MCU in general, is that it's it's not as connected as I think it probably should be. Um, you know, it's it's. I feel like the the connections, at least in the first the first arc or the first couple, is it's it, it's forced. It's not as much natural that you know. It's it's still talking about the incident, and it feels like it would be a larger part of the daily lives of what's going on. I I don't know if we're going to get a daredevil, even cameo or reference. Cause you know, you finished, I, I've not, but I feel like we definitely should have by now, uh, unless they're, they're living at a different, you know, slightly different, unless these stories are being told in, in line, which is fine, but no, they are, they are in line. They're, they're, so, they're in so daredevil happened before this. Yes. Okay. So, 
I mean, I feel like, you know, Kingpin would be a larger part of the story at this point, even if, you know, the history, just what had happened and the events of Daredevil would have would have impacted just a little bit more of what was going on in the city. But I think but that's that's my problem is I feel like and I recognize that this is my own personal thought and and my own person. If my own personal thoughts were good, I would be writing television instead of watching it. Um, But I feel like they should be more connected than they are. I think that the trouble there is that because it's not on an actual network, they can't do the crossover episode. Well, well I, right. I think you could have, you know, more Matt Murdock. Like I said, I'm assuming we're I, I am assuming we're going to see him at some point, but it feels like we could have been seeing him more along the way. Yeah, well, I think that we're going to get more of those. I think opening seasons of some of these shows are more like they're really focusing on the individual character that the show is about. And I think that we'll get more, like I think in the second season of Daredevil, I think there'll be more that ties into, you know, other things. I mean, this series does have a lot of Luke Cage in it, and we're going to get a Luke Cage series, you know, built more around him at some point too. So so overall, I think as you go through, uh, you know, once they've once they've gotten multiple seasons and at least one season of each of the of the four out, I think you'll see more of the crossover type stuff and more of them impacting each other to when they ultimately end up having to team up for a defenders run. So, yeah. Or a defenders movie. Well, I think at this point there's, they're going to do like a, a short run. I mean, that's the original plan was at some point, once all the characters have been introduced and a bigger story, has been introduced throughout. They'll all have to come together in like a six episode or eight episode run or something like that, that uh, to solve like a bigger problem. How do you solve a problem like Maria? Yeah, I don't know. (laughs) Apparently you need all the defenders to do so, but I, I think that uh, to me, I think the thing about it is that these have been coming out much slower than I thought they were going to. Like we're going to get a second season of daredevil now. And good chance that you probably get a second season of Jessica Jones around this time next year. But wherein are they going to add in, you know, Luke Cage? And then, you know, if they do continue on and do Iron Fist and how long is it really going to be? And how many seasons of some of these other things are you going to do before you finally get to (laughs) where you've introduced enough stuff that they're all, uh, all together. So, uh, that's the that's the only thing for me is it seems like they're coming out a little slower than I I would have thought. Uh, they're on a you know maybe they're now finally getting that more ramped up and. Well, see, it's owned by Disney, and it takes them four years to put on a new attraction at the park. Yeah. So, same concept here. Uh, but at any rate, uh, it's it's definitely worth watching. And uh, Ivy, what is what is your recommendation? Well, as as a little inside baseball, I was originally going to recommend Jessica Jones, and then I was reminded today that, because uh, we record this on Monday, that Sci-Fi has released the pilot episode of their new show, The Expanse, on uh, to watch online. Uh, the Expanse itself doesn't premiere until uh, the middle of ne- the middle of December, the December fourteenth. Even though it feels like Sci-Fi has sat on the show since the summer, I remember. They were originally advertising that they were going to run this summer. Um, and The Expanse is set on this incredibly good run of books by an author named S.A. Is it S.A. Corey? Of course, I'm going to say that and not get it right. 
and it's it's just a it's just a callback to um I mean more than it's I think it's the most Battlestar Galactica show since um SGU tried to basically repl- replicate Battlestar Galactica. Um it's a you know it's it's very different in 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 its history and that it's set in the in the far future of of um our timeline. Uh but it's just there's just a whole lot of cool stuff going on. Um Thomas Jane's in the show, uh Wes Chatham who um you might recognize from Hunger Games, but he was also did a really, really good arc on the last season of the unit. Plays, you know, one of the one of the crew that sits in the background and it's far and away one of the most badass characters I've read in a book in a long time. So I'm really looking forward to seeing how he's played, portrayed on screen. And it's just there's so much neat stuff going on in the books that I'm really interested to see what they explore in the show. Um they're introducing characters in the first season um that aren't introduced until later until later parts of the of the book series, so I, I, I'm not exactly sure exactly how they're going to play that out and how a, you know a potential second and third season might play out versus the the storyline in the books. But you know when they get to the fifth book, which I think just came out this year, you know just in a I've never seen a series you know game change as much as they did in one book. It's almost like if you got to the fifth book in Game of Thrones. And, you know, dragons flew over and killed everyone on all of Westeros and said, okay, what's the next book going to be about? It's, it changed, it changed the, the course of the, of the book series that much that I'm really looking forward to seeing how they do on the first couple of seasons of Expanse because I've got, I've got hope that we're going to see them all um, and what they do after that. So it's got a bunch of great characters and a great setup, and I'm really, really, really looking forward to seeing what sci-fi does with the show in general. Are they going to do it as a season, or are they doing it the traditional sci-fi way of like a six-hour miniseries, and then see if it takes before they commit to it? I think we're getting, I think we're getting a full first season. So, like we did with Dark Matter and Killjoys, it's not going to be like Ascension or the the, the BSG pilot, where it was just a short run. I think we're getting a full first season um, of thirteen. I'm looking at the Wikipedia page, and of course, it doesn't doesn't share that with us. Oh, well, maybe it does if I just scroll down a little further. Um, no, I have no clue. Okay. I think that I'm not sure how many episodes, but it is a full season that that we're getting. Like, it's going to... Like, I don't know if it was like a short run for December for the week, and then it was like coming back in February or March or something. They're premiering at the same time with the Childhood's End miniseries. Uh, so it'll be the 14th. We'll have the first part of childhood's end followed by the expanse. And then I think the second episode of the expanse will play like the next night with, with that. And then it'll continue on on Tuesdays or something like that. That's like a two night event. Like X files is going to be. And then a childhood's end will play on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and then they're premiering it along with that. But then it'll continue on past that first week on Tuesdays. But I think you get two episodes the first week, or you can watch the first one on online now. But that'll premiere. Uh, so you you get like a two night premiere, and then along with this other thing that they're also promoting, and then it'll continue on, uh, you know, through December into January. And I, I want to say it's at least ten. I say I'm glad it's there because I'm really rushing out to watch Mike Vogel in an Alien show again. <laughs> <laughs> The um, they've already started. 
writing the second season, which doesn't mean anything, but at least it's a um, at least it's a good sign of what Sci-Fi thinks they've got in the first season. So cool, yeah. Because I've been missing BSG. It's like we need a BSG to come back. And I thought Killjoys or Dark Matter was going to be some of that. No, yeah, we need we need a good BSG type show. Yeah, it's not. I mean. I didn't. I didn't love Killjoys like maybe other people on this podcast did. <laughs> um, I enjoyed it, but it wasn't nearly as as crazy as as um, you know everybody else did. But I like Dark Matter a lot. But it's. I mean, it's good to see sci-fi moving back in this direction. Um, I think they've done a lot of good things this past year as far as doing that. I mean, I know they canceled some shows, which makes some people sad, but. You know, if more people were watching them, maybe they wouldn't have canceled them. Um, oh, you mean, you mean they're not going to do Helix in space? That would have been cool. <laughs> I don't I don't really understand Helix. I mean, I watched most seasons, but I still don't really understand what the show was really about and why it existed. Uh, I was disappointed to see Defiance go. But like I said, if they're if they're making room for these to, to try some new things and to do some things that are that are kind of out there like Killjoys was or like, um, you know, like they're doing here with some of the bigger, bigger bigger franchises so like i said i got i got faith that sci-fi is moving in the right direction and i really hope that this that the expanse ends up being a kind of cornerstone show for them over the next couple of years so watch it now and stuff all right so troy what is what is your recommendation um if you haven't been plastered by it enough between facebook and amazon and everywhere else there's an advertisement out there for anything tv related uh man in the high castle has been one of the Philip K. Dick books. I think they're probably one of the most interesting. Uh, this concept about how if World War II would have ended differently with the Germans and the Japanese winning and actually dropping bombs on us instead of the reverse, uh, a really, really great uh, juxtaposition that the Germans take over the eastern seaboard and the Japanese take over the western seaboard and how Americans have to assimilate into that culture over the next 20 years. So it's like 1962-ish I do believe when the show starts out and it's really, really fascinating to see how the Eastern seaboard operates very much in the Nazi state manner. Yet on the Western seaboard, it seems very interesting because on that Western seaboard, they seem very American in a lot of ways and going about their daily life. But there's this hidden Japanese, I guess, dictatorship, if you will, that kind of overarches it. And so I've been really enjoying how you get to see what these, you know, institutions in the forties actually looked like and how scary it was to live during those times. And what would it be like if we were in that case today? Now the concept of the show is that there are these film canisters in the book. I do believe it was like uh, newspaper pamphlets or magazine pamphlets, um, but it's basically showing the Americans winning the war. And of course the concept is, is that as this propaganda is being flushed out the Germans and the Japanese don't want these films to get out there. But at the same time, there's this impending war between Japan and Germany for the neutral zone and control of the continent. So as they're trying to subdue the resistance, they're also having to deal with their own internal struggles. And I think they're doing a really, really good job. I do have to say that it suffers a little bit from what I call the Americans-itis. Americans-itis, yeah. Uh, where it's extremely slow-moving. So, I mean, you have to be a fan of Philip K. Dick, of course, first to maybe even want to jump in on it or a, con- or a fan of World War II uh, just to get into this concept because the episodes are very slow. They're all, they are a full hour. They're not 42 minutes. How far have you gotten into it? 
I've gotten through episode four. And what it does is it does exactly what the Americans does. It's like, oh, is the episode over yet? Is the episode over yet? And then you get to the last five minutes and it's like so much action and intrigue in that last five minutes that, of course, it hooks you to watch the next one. <laughs> and then you're like, oh, crap, it's like 45 minutes later. Come on. When is this going to? Pre-? And then something else crazy happens. And there was actually some really good twists in the first couple episodes that you didn't see coming and playing out the way you thought they were going to play out, which I think really makes it even more interesting. So, yeah, very exciting stuff. I, I'm really enjoying it so far. Uh, I know I have a couple people that have finished all 10. Uh, they said it was totally worth the investment. So I am going to watch two today, two tomorrow, two on Wednesday before I eat some turkey. And that'll get me at least uh, all 10 covered before Thanksgiving. If, if you've never read the book, so I've seen the first two episodes that Amazon released early. Um, and this is another one that I've been looking for, too, because I'm, I'm not necessarily a fan of the author um, but I'm a big speculative fiction fan, so I, I'm, I'm interested. Would you recommend? Because I'm I'm probably going to save this one for Christmas break, because looking at how empty the TV, you know, the DVR upcoming list is for for the month of December, that I want to kind of layer in some of these. But would you recommend, having never read the book, should I go ahead and read the book, or should I just wait and read the book after? I would do the show first and then read the book after. Okay. God forbid they pull it under the dome and they actually stretch this out into more than one season. Um, but I think what I've seen so far, I think that the characters are endearing enough that it could go multiple seasons. I just don't know if the the reveal is really something that you want to draw out too far, like three, four, five seasons out. You know, People might get tired of it by that point, but I guess it just depends on how much other story that you could write in that isn't in the book that draws out this German-Japan uh, issue conflict that's going on. I hope it's just 10 and done, to be quite honest. I think that there's something to be said about real nice, concise storytelling, that if you have a, 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 a definitive end, you know, just get to the end, you know, however many episodes it needs to get to the end, but don't draw it out just for the money. I'm also a big fan of, of things having, like you know where you're going, and <laughs> you know how many episodes or whatever you have to, to get there or whatever. Uh, especially with some of these smaller things like cuz i this seems like something that if by the end you sort of reveal certain things like where do you go <laughs> like where would you go after that like once you have the 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 big reveal but like you said how much can you do within this before you give the big reveal and it and you and people not just lose interest because they want to know the thing but they're not willing to sit through, you know, 30 hours to get to it. Well, it's a qu- it's a question of like like you said before, whether or not the uh whether or not the science fiction element of it or the film canisters um has to be the driving force or could it just continue to tell this really cool speculative fiction, you know, what would have happened if story kind of thing. So, um I'm interested to see how that plays out. The whole stuff that they've built the music that plays in the background, the TV shows that are on people's TVs as these sort of alternate versions of shows that did actually take place in that time period. Uh, All that type of stuff is all very interesting to me. And so this other thing so far is like, yeah, there's that thing, but if it becomes, if the show becomes like, it looks like a lot of the, a lot of it revolves around those those film canisters. Uh, if that continues to to be 
the search for whoever put these out and all that stuff, if that becomes the push of it, then if you reveal that, then can you continue to tell, will the stories be as interesting in this world if you know the answer to that question of whether those are real or fake or, or what have you? I don't know. But as of, I've only seen the first two episodes so far too, and I just was, I was completely sucked in by the concept and the world that they created around this and the idea of uh, like Rufus Sewell's character being an American Nazi or, you know, like that we were fighting against, but then people just like bought in when it was taken over and to survive in it have not just sort of, are not just sort of surviving in it, but have like become ranking officers within, Mm -hmm. but are not, but are not German they're U.S. born that have grown up and then turned over and turned into this uh, is those types of things are very some of the ideas that they're playing with in here are all very interesting. So I'm interested to see where it continues to go. And so far, the slowness of it in the first couple episodes didn't bother me. But I suppose that if you're five or six episodes in and like Troy's saying, it do, episodes start to feel long before you finally get something that could get annoying, especially if you're binging it. You know, I think that's why <laughs> the the Hulu concept that they're going to do with their eleven twenty two sixty three product when that comes out and actually doing the weekly release like they did with Mindy Project, I think is interesting because there is something to say. Give me all of them, but allow me to watch it at my own pace. I feel like there's this like pressure to have to get it done by Thanksgiving because everybody else has watched all ten already. Well, I think, I mean, I think you could do a show like that and not have to release them. I thought there was something really, really special about what Joss did with Dr. Horrible and that they released an episode every other day. Now, granted, we're talking about, you know, 60 minutes worth of content or maybe 50, 45 minutes worth of content spread out over, you know, ultimately six days. But I think that you can, you can find a release schedule that's not instantaneous, but is more quickly, more quickly than, um, once a week that that works i mean you know maybe every other night or maybe if it's a 10 episode thing make it a nightly release and then you you kind of do build that multi-week buzz and kind of bring back i mean i love the concept of of miniseries and how you get you know a two two hour block implement spread out over a couple of days or maybe a couple of weekends depending on the length of it i think you could find something and i think a show like this because i don't know i like i said like i don't know if i want to binge it i don't i could watch one a night and let that story kind of breathe and tell over a couple of days. So I think there's, I mean, I'm glad that Hulu and, and some of these other things are, are exploring, you know, getting away from the net, the Netflix mentality for as far as release of online shows go. But I think you can do it differently than just the one a week. And I'm, and I just went on this whole rant that had absolutely nothing to do with the show. And I apologize. But it's true though. Cause I mean, I thought, I don't think I would have watched Ascension had it not come out like two hours a night for three nights in a row. So I think there's something to be said about give me two give me two episodes a night for the next five days, and then that way by the end of the weekend everybody that wants to binge it can binge it. But there's been at least a week long a week long buzz about all the people that are talking about it the next morning at the water cooler at the same time. There's something to be cool about bringing that buzz back in and pacing pacing ourselves without limiting ourselves. So you can build that 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 
you know, water cooler buzz and let it build up over a week. Because if you release it like uh, like something like this, one a day or two a day over the course of a time period, you can get that word of mouth buzz to build back in and still you can be caught up by the time you get to the end. Well, because the, the dropping of all the shows at once, a thing like Jessica Jones, it got a lot of buildup in the couple weeks leading up to it. And then tons of people watched it over the first weekend and over this next week the vast majority, like a lot of people will have watched it and then you won't hear much about it. Right. It'll sort of be, uh, and then as somebody else comes to it, they might, you know, they might want to talk about it or, or say, I finally got to it or whatever, but you don't see any articles about it or, you know, even, you know, even the people like recapping it or doing, you know, stuff around it are still, a lot of them are still doing that over, like maybe the first week and they have like all their stuff, all their content for it about uh, out there. Uh, and then there's not much other discussion about it past there. Cause it's like, it's done. It's you've, you've watched the whole thing. And, and so th- I think there's some of that, uh, that problem with the, but it seems that Amazon seems to be, they were doing weekly releases or whatever. And, now they seem to have changed and gone more with the Netflix model and they're dropping full seasons of stuff now. So I don't know. I guess that seems to be what people want for some of these things is I want to watch it on my own schedule, but I don't want to have to start every question of, OK, which episode are you at? Yeah, <laughs> that's true, too. Like you you want to you, you want to be able to, to talk about it or whatever. Yeah. Not accidentally spoil something because somebody's like. Somebody's like, oh, Jessica Jones is great. And you're like, yeah, so, yeah, like that part. And they're like, oh, I've only seen through episode five. And you're like, sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Or you watched. That part where Captain America showed up? Yeah, that was great. (laughs) Or you watched All Ted on Friday for High Castle. And on Saturday, you're having a conversation on Facebook. And you're like, blah, 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 blah. And you think you're talking about episode one, but you're talking about episode eight because you can't remember. Just to you, it was like one giant (laughs) mashup. Yeah, it becomes one one long episode. Yeah, that for me basically like I watched two episodes of Jessica Jones. It was it was seven hours <laughs> followed by six hours. <laughs> Those are long episodes. They're really man. long episodes, but but yeah, that's. I mean, I guess you could always do what TBS is doing with the uh, Andrew Tribeca. You could just drop the whole first season on one day and play it multiple times over twenty four hours, and then play subsequent episodes the following weeks. And call them new seasons. It's a very weird, (laughs) interesting times we should live. Yeah, I I like the thing of uh, we're dropping the first season, and then it's been renewed for ten more seasons. Each season is an episode (laughs) that jumps ahead in time, that shows you what's happening a year later or whatever, or some such thing. I don't know. They're doing something definitely experimental with the series. I mean, and, and really, the big news story out of this is you got two competing streaming—I was going to say networks—two uh, <laughs> streaming providers, and they drop big name products on the yeah, same on day. The same day. Yeah. It I mean, a, I, I, I want to see the like what, what's the download rates and who's watching what, and that's the kind of ratings I want to. I need that ratings report Saturday morning. How many <laughs> yeah. people called in? How many people called into work on Friday and said, "Oh, I can't come in today." <laughs> But net, I mean, Seth, that's the that's the great part about how these streaming services work. Netflix doesn't care when you watch it; just the fact that you're paying them to watch it. Yeah, you know, as long as, as, long as it drives subscriptions, they're good. And that's and that's the great thing about how 
you know, it's it's like I think that was very measured because it feels like they've had they've had this in the can ready to go for a couple more months than they needed to wait on. Um, speaking about Jessica Jones, but I think they're trying to set up, you know, what what they're going to what their release schedule is going to look like for 2016 where they're going to put Daredevil, where they're going to put a second season of Jessica Jones that we all know is going to happen, where does um, House of Cards land, where does Orange is the New Black land, and can they can – they, I think they're going to – I think they eventually want to get to the point where they're doing a new show a month, 12 months out of the year. And they're probably a couple of a couple of years away from that because they've got to build up their revenue, you know, their revenue stream to do it, and build up their production companies to do it. But oh, no, they're almost be- dropping more than that. I mean, they dropped Master of None earlier this month. Narcos, you know, Narcos was back in in September, and they've got Real Rob coming in the beginning of of December. It's the right way to do it too, because what's the first thing when HBO Now was announced? Yeah, everybody's like, "Oh, great! I'll pay fifteen dollars for two months to watch Game of Thrones, and then I quit." Yeah, yeah. yeah this is why th- this way they lock you into your seven ninety nine or nine ninety nine, depending on your subscription level, or twelve ninety nine for more streams. And you know, once you're locked in, it's like, "Oh, there's something new every month. I got to keep my subscription." And they got you in; they're you're hooked forever. Well, I think once they get there, and you and I, you guys are right because you guys are closer to it than I am these days. But that they're that they're already closer to being there. Um, this this eight dollar a month subscription that I've paid, that it's like you go, okay. I, I I mean, I keep it because you know I'm watching The West Wing or Battlestar Galactic or something else that I might not have on disc, um, kind of at any given time. But that that eight dollar rate is like that. That's that's right there at that point where you go, ah, that's you know I can pay that even if I'm not watching it every month. Yeah. It's like <laughs> I will. I won't pay ten dollars a month for Apple Music, even though I listen to it the three months preview. I listen to it in my car every day. But the eight dollars a month is right there at that price point where you go, ah, okay. But once we start, once they're to the point where they're doing, you know, twelve shows or a month, you know, a show a month, or maybe even, and maybe they're just closer, and I haven't realized it, two shows a month where it's every other week they're releasing a show, or at least every third week they're releasing a, a new show of, of ten, you know, ten episode season. Um, you know, boom, all of a sudden that price can start sneaking up and they can justify it too, because I think they're putting out more than enough content, you know, new content, you know, let alone what they've got in a, on a shelf somewhere um, to really justify 10 or $12 a month or $15 a month. Yeah. And they're new, doing new decent content. Yeah. yeah. Cause I mean, even the, I'm not even watching the... half of it, but you know, I wish I was. I mean, that latest round of Amazon pilots, even there just wasn't anything captivating in the Amazon pilot run. So I appreciate that Amazon says, hey, here's a bunch of shows. Here's the pilots. You vote on them and we'll make it. I mean, High Castle, they were just like, dude, it's done. It's in. It's a full series, regardless of what people think of that first episode. I completely missed this run of Amazon pilots. I didn't I was just the timing. I didn't hear about it. And by the time I did, it was over and it didn't sound like I missed anything. Yeah, I don't no, think no. you did. I haven't heard it. I haven't heard much good about any of them. The Prophet was probably the only interesting one, I think, because Terry O'Quinn was in it and uh, a few other people that you might recognize. But it was just kind of like it was so slow, so slow. <laughs> I really liked I liked the one, the Civil War based one in the last round and I really think I was disappointed that that didn't get any more traction and now we know why Chris Carter's after didn't take off after that round because uh, he just made it into the six episodes of the X-Files yeah. <laughs> <laughs> was, I was disappointed to see that that didn't go anywhere I wasn't because it was terrible <laughs> oh I liked it it was good until the end and then you're like dude the monster that walks away backwards in a spider form I was like okay that's weird I'm out 
Yeah, that's true. I like the characters, but you're right. The ending was rough. Yeah. I, I think I'd blocked it out. <laughs> <laughs> we, were, we, we were good in the garage, and then once we got out of the garage, then we didn't know what we were going to do next. <laughs> yeah. All right. That'll do it for our recommendations and then also our little bit of a ramble on streaming services and the release schedule of episodes. And uh, as always, you can find links to our recommendations as well as the news stories we talked about and also where you can find and listen to Ivy and Troy online in the show notes at tvtimes3.com slash 300. Next week, Amory will be back with me and our guest will be Mike Moody from the TVI podcast. And we'll probably talk uh, Walking Dead mid-season finale and maybe a little bit more about High Castle once I've watched some more of it. Uh, and maybe some more in on Jessica Jones and uh, whatever else has been playing the, the last week that we're all watching. And also want to thank you all since it's we're going, this will be, this should be released uh, barring any problems last week recorded it. And then the next day power went out for a couple of days. And so it made it take a little bit longer before I could get last week's episode out. So hopefully this one will be out on Wednesday as per usual but this week the day before thanksgiving here in the states and just want to say thanks for listening and if you're going to be doing any holiday shopping i mean i hear that's a thing over the thanksgiving <laughs> there's this black friday it started back in october i think um but yeah. <laughs> or, or maybe it was in in july black friday it seems to be almost any day of the week can be black friday these days but if you planned on doing any shopping over this uh, holiday weekend or just going into the holiday season at any time and you're going to be shopping at Amazon, if you would use our link, tvtimes3.com slash Amazon, I'd much appreciate it. We get a small percentage for referring the sale. You get the same deal you would get had you gone there directly. It's just sort of a win-win-win situation. Uh, you can support the podcast by doing something you were going to do anyways. And uh, thanks again. For listening, and thank you also again, Troy and Ivy, for joining me on episode 300. Episode 300, yay! Woo-hoo!